developmental language disorder. It's a condition that affects around two children in every primary school on average. Please explain first what it is. Sure. So essentially it's a brain-based difficulty. So what's happening is these children are having difficulty understanding and difficulty expressing themselves. Um, Their language is very deficient. Their speech sounds might also be unclear, but the speech sound component isn't necessary for the diagnosis, but certainly it's a a language-based issue. It's not an acquired condition, and it's not associated with other known conditions like autism, hearing loss, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome. Um, Children who have language issues with those conditions, we would just say that they have a concomitant language issue but it's very much a a condition that stands alone so your hearing's fine typically their cognition is quite good but um, they have these language difficulties and it's a lifelong condition Um, it's often discovered in childhood and uh, that's often where we'd like to start treating it but it persists for many into the adult years Um, and these are the children who they have these language difficulties as preschoolers, so their um, expression and understanding are impaired, and this, this persists into school where they begin uh, with language levels significantly lower than their peers. So it's often characterised by spoken language difficulties like a limited vocab, poor grammatical development, like a boy I was working with the other day, so instead of, he's almost five, so instead of saying, That's, that boy's riding his bike really fast, he said to me, him doing bike. So um, uh, completely truncating the sentence and oversimplifying the language. And the difficulties with understanding um, also seem to go along with poor working memory. So many of these kids, their working memory, I often describe it to parents as like, by the time you're five, imagine it like slots, as it were, that you can put information temporarily to hold, to process, to make decisions about they have a significantly restricted number of slots. So if it were like a window, it's a tiny window through which you have to push information because they keep losing a lot of what they're understanding. So these are the kids that often appear not to be listening, um, naughty uh, in class, but in actual fact it's suggesting there might be an underlying difficulty with their understanding. That difficulty, do we know the mechanics of it first? And second, are there different uh, reasons why a child might be in this situation, whether Mm. it's biological or um, psychological or any number of reasons? Is is, is it like a class of... um, uh, possible reasons for someone being in this situation? Yeah, I mean, the answer to it is no, we don't really know why some children have it and some don't. Um, But what we do think is that it's probably the result of a few factors, one of them being it tends to run in families. So um, it looks like there's some kind of combined impact of inherited genes rather than a specific mutation. So it's, it's across a range of issues. And environmentally, it tends to be like and this isn't to do with I feel parents have a hard deal as it is so it's not something that a parent can control so often um, in terms of pregnancy poor old mums who end up in the situation with a premature baby that's low birth weight and they have a lack of oxygen at birth so some factors there that might increase the risk of developmental language disorder and as you said in the intro it, um, it affects 1 in 14 so if we double that 2 in 28 yeah. that's 2 kids in every sure. classroom a couple of questions that we'll get mm. to because we're sort of on the topic at the moment and then we'll, we'll get your advice on, on how to um, manage. 
This affects thousands of deaf kids in New Zealand, says this emailer, including estimated one-third with cochlear implants. Could you ask your guest about this? Mm. So um, a true diagnosis of developmental language disorder would be separate from the cochlear implant hearing issues. Because there's an obvious yeah. reason. <clears throat> that's but, right. But similar kind of... Yes, that's okay. absolutely, the, 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 the person's absolutely right, presents and, quite similarly. And the second question I'm sure you were going to get to anyway, but what are the risks, possible outcomes, if this isn't treated? Huge. Um, (laughs) So in terms of impact, our research shows that these are the kids who are six times more likely to have issues with spelling, reading, um, anxiety. They're four times more likely to have issues with maths, boys getting into negative cycles of behaviour. Three three times more likely that they'll suffer depression. Girls uh, encounter sexual abuse. This this comes from some research which was done in 2000, between 2004 and 2009. Um, And also for adults, they're two times more likely to go over a year without employment compared to their, you know, typical peers. Um, We think a significant proportion of the prison population have developmental language disorder. All right. So how best to manage first? Trying to get diagnosis, it's always the starting point, isn't yep. it? Yeah. So um, there are some risk factors. So what parents would be looking for, I'll send a link um, later on and parents can go online because I won't bother reading through it all. You won't remember it all anyway. Um, it's better if you just look at it. But some basic risk factors. So with little, little kids, so the preschoolers, that they're late talkers. So by 18 months, less than 20 words. They had limited babbling. Um, their gestural development is pretty absent. So they're not shaking their head for no or waving by or pointing. Um, we also found 90% of the children who had DLD had a lack of word combinations at 24 months and a family history so of speech and language issues. Uh, we talked about prematurity and also parents who had low education levels uh, seemed to be another factor, which we suspect is because those parents themselves may have had DLD and have passed it on, um, not intentionally. Um, so uh, a range of risk factors there. There are some. There is a great infographic that I'll, as I said, I'll clip to the website um, from a group banter speech in Australia, and that just gives you all the possible signs, breaking it down into one to two, two to three year olds, and so on. So definitely worth having a look at it. Um, and how it looks um, in presentation for those out there um, thinking, is this my child? These are the kids who are quite hard to understand. They have difficulty understanding instructions. So if you're giving them one to two step instructions and let's say that they're three years old, they're often blanking you or they're dropping one part of the instruction. Um, and they're often acting out a lot when they're frustrated because they're having trouble communicating their feelings because their language is obviously deficient. Um, They have really limited vocabulary. So uh, it feels like you kind of can count all the words that they have because it's so circular and they don't seem to acquire new words very often. It's very slow progress. And when they do put words together into sentences, these are the kids who have all these grammatical errors, like they confuse pronouns or the past tense is missing, um, or they're having significant difficulty developing joining words, like words like and and because. They can't retell stories, and they have trouble staying on topic. So when they do talk, they just talk at you. Um, They're not really able to take conversational turns very well. Um, In terms of treatment, there is a lot that can be done, but um, depending on the severity of the child's diagnosis, because DLD, like any condition, is a continuum, the treatment can uh, vary from sound therapy alongside developing their comprehension skills. So for teachers and parents, I often have some four things I would recommend. Reduce the length and complexity of your instructions. 
Um, so that gives the child a chance to understand what you might be saying um, and give them time to process what you've said. Think about the number of questions you ask versus the comments you make. So the more questions you ask, you often get no response, but comments teach. So questions test, but comments teach. Um, and thinking about things like how can I adapt the environment and use visual supports in the environment? So gesturally, what can I do to support this? Are there objects nearby? Can I use pictures to show them what I mean? So if I want them to follow two or three steps, can I roughly draw on a piece of paper in box one, here's what I want you to do, box two, box three, here's what you need to do, explain it to them, let them refer to the visual so that they can try and support their understanding. I'll often reduce my question complexity down to choices instead of um, why are you crying, it might be did you hurt your knee or your arm, so a choice and you're getting into there something where they find it easier because you can refer to knee and arm so they can see it. Um, and also yes no questions so is your arm sore yes or no um, so I'll often spend quite a bit of time working on developing their question comprehension so going through the WH question words uh, to support children to understand that these words refer to different things what being objects where location who is people and so on um, we also spend quite a bit of time developing their vocabulary and I'll do that in a very functional way for young children. I'll pick contexts like vocabulary of the bathroom, of the kitchen. If they're at school, what's the vocabulary of the classroom? Um, so that the child can develop an understanding of words related to situations. And then expressively I will spend a lot of time on grammar. Um, so teaching children how to construct a sentence, a subject, a verb, an object. Um, how to separate out pronouns. So in this day and age it's quite a contentious topic but we still teach he and she um, to try and help them to understand that there's a difference um, and we teach them about joining words um, so how do you use and to join two ideas or how do we use because um, because is actually a subject we could talk about one time because it's quite complicated teaching because to a child but a very critical skill because it develops a person's ability to inference and inferencing is where you collect clues from the environment to understand what's going on and for children with a developmental language disorder they often come across as naive or they get into trouble because they have trouble inferencing and these are the kids as teenagers that get into the wrong crowd can't put things together very well and all of a sudden the police are knocking on your door and they don't understand why this is an issue. Uh, they haven't really kind of put it together. The consequences escape them. Um, so, yeah. These can be taught. It occurs to me that, you know, um, too often we think that it's an, an intelligence issue. It's not. It's, no. it, it, it's a technical attack issue. It's having the right skills in your yeah. toolbox to get where someone else gets a different way. And that's is it important right. to understand that? Yeah, and that's a really great way of putting it. I've never put it that way. You're absolutely right. Um so they have to be taught explicitly some of the things that we've just picked up implicitly um, by existing in the environment and listening to our parents talk. Often when I meet children, if a child has a comprehension difficulty, it immediately makes everything else more complex. Not every child presents with a comprehension difficulty. Some children come in specifically with an expressive language difficulty and their comprehension is quite intact. And there's a whole host of reasons for that. But the children with comprehension difficulties... Uh, tend to be the ones that struggle uh, throughout their school and career. Well, it's at the heart, isn't it, of mm. all our communications and stuff. Thank you, Christian. Please send those links through. I will. And we'll get them up on the website as soon as we can. Thanks so much, Christian Wright, Speech and Language Therapist.